When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of our podcast. I'm Lucas. I got Chris and Jonathan here, and we are recording on a Sunday night. Six is just one the night before. Very happy about that. But before we get into all that, I just want to say thank you to both of you guys, because without you guys, I wouldn't be on the winning streak that I am in fantasy basketball and getting back above 500 and second in my conference. So thank you both to contributing to my winning streak. Uh, yeah, man, congrats on the five seed. Uh, you really earned <laughs> it. And I, I look forward to seeing how you do in the consolation bracket. It's going to be exciting. Uh, I'm pretty sure I'm not in the consolation bracket anymore because I'm second in my conference. So I'm yeah, not. Chris and, I, Chris, and I are gonna, Chris and I are going to be in the real playoffs. Uh, mm, mm, I don't know about that, guys. I don't know. I think I'm in the real playoffs too. I'm just oh saying. no, no, I I've checked. Don't worry, you're you're not. You gotta get above John and I, and uh, <laughs> or you gotta beat you gotta beat Clayton and get first in your division, or you're out basically. I'm just I think just it's telling top, you now. I, Sorry I, to break I, it to you. First, I don't know, guys. I think it's the first top two in each division. I think that's no. It's, it's it's top, top in each division, and then the next best two. And that oh, is Chris well, and I. I'm not that far behind you guys, and I still got like another week or two. So just you know, just saying. Anyway, um, right. let's go ahead and get into this. Bucks. Time out. Time out. Time out. We have two weeks <laughs> left, right, John? Yeah. This two. is the All second right. to All last right. week. I have a hundred percent chance of making the playoffs, and so does Chris. Yeah. 
we you have a literally according to ESPN, which I'm looking at right now, Lucas, you have a zero percent chance of making this. Is it really? Sorry to break it to you, pal. Well, that breaks that does break my heart. But you know what? At the end of the day, it doesn't matter because I still beat you guys, and that makes me feel so good inside. Anyway, let's go ahead to the Bucks game now, guys. Yeah, let's let's jump into that. I mean, one thirty three, one thirty win Saturday night, forty eight point fourth quarter by the Sixers. That was. An incredible comeback win. I mean, couldn't honestly can't say anything else besides that. Chris, why don't you start? What stood out with you for the starters? Um, well, let's let's maybe start at the top. Uh, James Harden had 38 points, nine rebounds, ten assists in this game. Scored 19 of those points in the fourth quarter. Uh, this is not the first clutch game this year from James. He had big shots down the stretch. On several occasions here, he did the same thing in Memphis last week. This has been quite the stretch for James individually. He was really good in the Dallas game, which we'll talk about too. Um, He he just continues to really do impressive stuff on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, down the stretch, that fourth quarter when Philly made the comeback, was some of the best basketball we've seen out of James since he was a sixer. I mean, he got every mismatch that he wanted. He put Chris Middleton in the hurt locker on several different occasions, um, got all his teammates involved in the right places, opened up stuff for Joel, opened up stuff for George, like just a really masterful showing from James. He, he deserves a ton of credit for this win. Um, and then, you know, Joel had 31 points, 10 assists of his own. Him and James, I believe, were the first two teammates to do that. In quite a long time, there have only been like five pairs ever. The last six years to do it were Wilt Chamberlain and Hal Greer in 1965. So they're joining some pretty impressive and historic company there on that front. Joel, also really good down the stretch, made great decisions with the ball. You love it when his assist numbers are up like that. He had the big, you know, back-breaking three there late to give Philly the lead off of um, a play that James Harden created by getting downhill. So, pretty great win against the hottest team in the NBA. This broke a 16-game win streak for Milwaukee. They were the one seed not that long ago. This is a team that Philly will likely have to go through at some point if they want to win a championship. So, they're 2-1 and one on the year now. Their only loss to Milwaukee was in the second game of the season on, like, a Wes Matthews dagger. So, that's pretty promising, I would say. You know, the regular season doesn't mean that much. And I, I still think Milwaukee would be the rightful favorite in that series. But it's clearly pretty clear to me that Philly has the ability to stand up to them and to compete. So, I, you know, really good win. Absolutely, Chris. And I believe last time a pair of teammates did it prior to last night was 1979 with the uh, – I think one of them, I want to say the San Diego Royals or the Rochester Royals or no Kansas City Royals. There we go. Kansas City Royals. I forget the players' names because honestly, they're not that big in NBA history. But point being here, it's been since 1979. That's a big deal, Chris. That's a really big deal. So, in terms of having 30 plus points and 10 plus assists between two teammates, um, well, I don't really have much else to say for Joel and Harden. I will say this about Joel, though. Joel has proven that he is one of maybe three players in the NBA that can actually defend Giannis Antetokounmpo one-on-one because Giannis, and we saw it several plays down the stretch. Giannis tried the drive, and Joel 
bodied him up, and Giannis could not go through him like he tried to do with so many other players, and he even caused a travel in one possession, I believe. So that I got to give Joel credit there. Joel wins yet another matchup against an MVP uh, favorite in Giannis, because now they're saying Giannis is the second favorite. Joel's beaten both Giannis and Jokic in regular season matchups, and arguably, I mean, don't get me wrong, Giannis had a great game, but Joel did too, and he won. And on top of that, when Joel was guarding Giannis, I saw this stat today that Giannis shot two of eight from the field. So just saying, that's kind of a big deal in the MVP realm as well. But Chris, you forgot to mention somebody. Tyrese Maxey had 26 points. We're going to talk more about Maxey later, but Maxey was pivotal in the second quarter, I believe, in parts in, the, in parts of the second half as well in order for the Sixers to make the comeback that they did, because they were down big in the third. There was a point where I was thinking about writing a Doc Rivers piece about how he's on the hot seat, because I was anticipating them losing that game. So, yeah, absolutely. And the Sixers did this pretty much without two starters in the second half as well, guys. P.J. Tucker, Tobias Harris. Harris didn't even come out in the second... uh, No, Harris didn't even come out in the second half. Tucker didn't, uh, didn't play more than a few minutes in the second half. So... Overall, this was a fantastic performance. Yeah, and you hit on it. All three of the stars, Maxi and Beat Harden, showed up. That's exactly what you need in these big games. Snap a streak like the Bucks had right there. So Maxi's back in the starting lineup. Obviously, the bench is a little bit different now. What do you guys think of the bench players? Um, I mean, I, I think there are two standouts in this game. You mentioned it, Lucas, that Tobias and PJ got hurt. So down the stretch in that second half. There were a lot more minutes available for George Niang and Jalen McDaniels, who played 28 and 20 minutes, respectively. A really big bounce-back game for George after some rough stretches. He was on the bench there for a couple games. He had 16 points, hit 5 of 6 from deep. He had two huge threes early in the fourth quarter to get the Philly run going. Like That's the kind of stuff you need out of him if you, you know, want him to stick in the rotation. Obviously, the defensive concerns are there, but offensively he's for very obvious reasons a great compliment to Joel and James when he's hitting shots so it was really nice to see he was a plus 10 for the night J-Mac was a plus 14 he had eight points had that huge putback late in the game um just just a really awesome defensive pairing with Paul Reed in the front court um you know the second unit has been mostly pretty bad this year for long stretches and you know that's been the case pretty much since Joel got here, but recently we've been seeing a lot of promise with those two guys in the front court on the defensive end. A big issue for Philly in the playoffs. The big question mark is, can they hold up defensively for the eight minutes or whatever that Joel's going to sit each night? And with Paul and J-Mac, they might be able to, especially if you stagger those rotations with Harden. Like, they, those, they just aren't going to lose those minutes like we're used to them losing those minutes. So, that that's a really big positive. I know a lot of Sixer fans are lukewarm on McDaniel's right now because of how well Thibel is doing. You know, if Uriah was still here, he'll probably be a bit more pessimistic on it. But John, you and I talked about it last week. I think we agree. Like it, McDaniel's is probably a better player and at least a better fit for Philly in terms of what he gives them offensively. Maybe the opportunity isn't there like it was in Charlotte or like it yep. is in Portland for Thibel. 
but he continues to play important possessions for this team on the defensive end. He's a legitimately disruptive defender in his own right. Brings a lot of size and versatility that Thibel didn't. And offensively, he's just going to do with more with the ball. He he hit a three in this game, which was nice to see. So I, I think George and J-Mac deserve quite a lot of credit. Yeah, you definitely hit on it there, George and J-Mac. I mean, look, we'll talk more about J-Mac later, so I don't want to dig into it too much there but Niang definitely needed this game because the confidence wasn't there last couple games he just was not hitting shots part of the reason where you could argue why they lost the Dallas game which we'll get to here in a minute but it was nice to see that Niang was able to have a bounce back Melton had a good game off the bench I have no I mean like would it be nice for him to take more than five shots sure but the way that the big three were going in tonight, last night's game, I don't blame him for not taking more shots. Uh, got had a Shake Milton sighting, which was nice. And you know, despite Giannis kind of, you know, he he was bodying up Paul Reed, but at the same time, Paul Reed was still plus eight in those nine minutes and still had four rebounds, a block, and four points. I can't say that. I mean, Paul Reed, he's not going to be able to hold his own against Giannis for very long. But for that short stint, he did fine, I think. Yeah, I mean, we've seen Paul have pretty impressive stretches against Giannis in the past. And you're right, like Giannis is one of the best players we've ever seen physically. And not many people are up to the task. Like, if you ask Paul Reed to guard him for 40 minutes, Giannis is still going to get his. But the Sixers have a few guys and can, like, legitimately get Giannis's way every now and then. You know, PJ, Joel, Paul can all sort of do that. Not many teams can claim to have that luxury. So if we are looking forward to a potential Sixers-Bucks series, um, that, that's something nice to have in your back pocket. That's the perfect segue, Chris. We said that they'll likely meet the Bucks at some point, especially if you're trying to make it to the NBA Finals and you have some success early in the playoffs. So... Do you think this Sixers team can beat the Bucs in a seven-game series? Uh, yeah, I absolutely do. Again, like I, I think Milwaukee would probably be the favorite in that series, and rightfully so. They've earned that. Giannis is pretty undeniable. I, I think still, if if we're looking for like a semi-consensus best player in the world, most people are still going to point to Giannis. But Absolutely, Philly has the capacity to do it. We've seen offensively that this team can be pretty unstoppable in stretches here. Uh, Milwaukee is a very good defensive team. Brooke Lopez is one of the best, if not the best, Joel defenders on the face of the earth. And still, down the stretch in that fourth quarter, those James and Joel actions just pretty much got the Sixers whatever they wanted. James was hunting mismatches all over the place. Chris Middleton... Hasn't really gotten back to full speed uh, since his injuries, and there's not a lot of time left for him to do that. James got Middleton on a switch several times and abused him. If you have Grayson Allen and Middleton out there in his current state, that's two very weak points on the defensive end for James to target, for Tyrese to target. Um, so, yeah, I definitely think Philly has the ability to do that. Milwaukee has... You know, frozen up offensively at times in big games, in the playoffs in the past. That three-point shooting can kind of, you know, go in and out for them. So, yeah, I, I don't think the Bucks are unbeatable by any stretch. Would I, would I favor the Sixers? Maybe not. But I think it would be a pretty competitive series. And they, they absolutely 
have the ability to beat them. I, I think if you're going to bet on something, if you're a Sixers fan, you'd much rather see the Bucks in the second round versus the Celtics. I think the Sixers ha- are one of the teams built to actually be able to handle Giannis and beat the Bucks. The Sixers have the, the big man, the slow down, you know, two guys really in the starting five that can guard Giannis one-on-one. And then on top of that, you still have the perimeter scoring that you need to be able to uh, break down this really tough Bucks defense. Because, I mean, Drew Holiday, one of the better perimeter defenders, James Harden still had 38 against him. Granted, not the most efficient night shooting, but still, that's something that the Sixers got to hang their hat on. And I, I think, I'm not going to say that they're favorited either, but I think it's a much, I, I don't think the Bucks would be like a huge favorite in that series. I think it would be a very close margin for the Bucks. I think if, if I'm Milwaukee, I'm praying that I don't see the Sixers in the second round. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I would say I don't think the margin is maybe as wide as people think it is. Like, I, I, I would agree that Boston's the favorite in the East right now, and maybe a little bit of a worse matchup, but, you know, it's a two-way street in that Milwaukee does have, again, Brooke Lopez, who's one of the best Joel stoppers in the NBA. They have Drew Holiday. So, like, it's kind of the same with Boston, like Al Horford, Marcus Smart. These both teams Horford, have guys. And, and I'm sorry. Can, Al Horford looked like trash against Joel last time. They don't have anybody so, to beat Joel. I'm that's sorry. the thing, though. So if we're, like, comparing matchups, maybe Milwaukee – has more of a capacity to slow down Joel than Boston at this point. Like that's part of the the calculus. Also, Giannis probably the best player in any of those series. So I, I don't know if Boston is like run away way better and way scarier. Like I, I think Milwaukee maybe deserves to be more feared than they are, but clearly Philly has the capacity to beat both teams. I and just Boston like you know, the vibes are not as great with that series. The Celtics have given the Sixers a lot of problems over the years, and I just don't want to see that team because the Celtics don't make me feel good. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I honestly don't know if they're that far apart. I, I think both teams are a very tough matchup. I, I think the Sixers are very rightfully, again, going to be kind of pegged as the number three team in the East. But, if again, any team with Joel and James has a chance. I think Philly has a chance to beat Boston, too. Spoilers. So, The margin between all three of the top teams is, is very small, especially when everyone's playing at the top of their game. But that touched on the Bucks game, so why don't we go backtrack a little bit. Sixers-Mavs game a couple nights before. They lost 133-126, gave up 71 points in the first half. It was brutal. Um, they had a nice fourth-quarter comeback, 35 points again in the fourth quarter, but it wasn't enough. They fell short. What were your thoughts, Lucas? Let's start with you on the starters. Look, I mean, you can't really ask for much more from the big three because you got Joel with 35, Maxie with 29, Harden with 27 and 13. I don't, there's not much else you can ask for from the big three there. That being said, Tobias Harris only had six shot attempts and 10 points. Efficient game for Tobias for sure, but it was, you need a little bit, you need more from Tobias. And this is the, the conundrum that the Sixers have with all three, with the big three in the starting five. Tobias' offense is not, he can't really do much on offense at that point in terms of getting his shots in or getting more shots. 
That that's the tricky part. Um, not a good defensive game from PJ or anybody really. This was just look as great as the Sixers were on offense. The Dallas Mavericks were just better on offense. Kyrie had forty. Luca had forty-one and twelve. Kyrie had six assists. I don't look. The Sixers were great, but I I think this is just it took and and we lost. But and you know I heard somebody say this on TV today. Um, it took Dallas. No, no, no. It wasn't today, but I heard Kendrick Perkins say it. It took Dallas getting a monster, two monster games, like franchise setting games from Luca and Kyrie to beat the Sixers, who were coming off of a back to back to beat the Sixers and give up a 27 point lead in front in the second half. So the Sixers, they were coming off a back to back. Is it a great, are you happy about the loss? No. But at the same time, it just took a fantastic game from those two to get the win for Dallas. So I don't feel as bad as I could and about this. But the starting five, fantastic. Uh, out, yeah. The big three, fantastic. Could have asked more from Tobias. Yeah, I, I agree about the big three. James had 27 points on 12 shots and 13 assists. Again, he was awesome in this game. He had 16 in the first quarter. And really at halftime, it looked like we were primed for one of the Best offensive showdowns we've seen in a while. The second half kind of got away from Philly there. They worked their way back in large part thanks to Tyrese, who had a pretty incredible stretch there in that second half, ended up with 29 points. Um, Joel had 35 and 8. Like, it's pretty much what you get out of him every night at this point, but you can't really complain, like you said, Lucas. Um, defense was awful, and a lot of people were, like, I think kind of overthinking things and you know, doom saying and everything about this team. And I get it just based on what they've shown us in the past. And there are some valid concerns. But this was, like you said, Lucas, the second night of a back-to-back. They had to fly from Miami to Dallas the night before. Teams historically just don't do that well in that circumstance. They were probably tired. I really don't think it was much more than that. Um, you know, Luca and Kyrie are amazing and they're hard to stop in any circumstance the Sixers are not that good still at stopping you know twitchy high level scoring guards so that's an issue but you know if we want to swing things back to the east you're not really facing that with either Milwaukee or Boston so um, they, they avoid that problem hopefully in the playoffs as far as the high level contenders go until they maybe meet one of those teams in the west in the finals in an ideal world um only team in the there's only two teams in the east that would present that problem the hawks who we don't even know will get out of the play in and the cavaliers yeah who we probably won't play or, or and they might get knocked out by the by the knicks in the first round because that's what that's matchups looking like it's going to be yeah i yeah. And i think i think new york would be the favorite there um yeah i think so too so like the starters we're not great on defense. There, there are a lot of issues all over the place, but I, I think this comes down to the second half of back-to-back. I, I do want to say about Tobias, is like the thing is, he's just going to have to find ways to contribute other than shooting more because the Sixers are better off with him not shooting as much in these circumstances. Like, I, I don't think it's an issue that he only took six shots, so to speak. Like The issue is maybe him not contributing in other places. I, I think the defense has been pretty good lately. He's handling difficult assignments. We saw him step up in the postseason, so I'm not that worried about it. But 
he's the fourth option on this team, and that's you know what he should be. I, I think that's what his skill set demands. So I, I'm not as worried about the Tobias role thing. He, he's just going to have to figure out other ways to contribute. Yeah, so let's swing it to the bench in this game. What do you think, Lucas? It was interesting to see some um, some minutes from Harrell, but I think that was more or less due to the foul trouble of Paul Reed in the first half. Um, not the best McDaniels game in terms – I mean, he was plus 15, but he had four fouls in 13 minutes. Yang was a no-show in this game. Melton struggled a little bit offensively. Defensively was fantastic, though. Five steals. Bravo, but it still just was not enough at the end of the day. Um, but, uh, I mean, back-to-back, guys, uh, they had 20 po- 22 points off the bench. It was not the best showing. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I will say the flip side to that is that everyone on the bench had a positive plus-minus, and only one starter did, and that was Tyrese, who was part of those bench lineups that made serious yeah. inroads in the second half. So Absolutely, yeah. I, I think this was actually a, a pretty great performance from the bench. Um, you know, number-wise, you're, you're right. It's not that spectacular. But Melton showed up defensively. J-Mac, Paul Reed. Again, this was this was a game in which the starters could not stop anyone at all. And, and the bench actually managed to step up and get some shots. Tyrese is now a, a starter again, which, again, we're going to talk about him more in depth here in a second. But he was in charge of the second units in this game, which isn't always my favorite thing. I don't really agree with that setup. I think those should be James um, James lineups normally. But it, it really worked in this game. And Tyrese had 29 points to show for it. Uh, Melton, again, five steals in 31 minutes. He's still going to play a lot. Um, for this team in the playoffs. So even though he's not quote-unquote a starter anymore, still going to see a lot of games where he's playing 25, 30-plus minutes. Um, so, yeah, well, I think McDaniels, Reed, those guys brought energy. They deserve credit. Uh, I, I will say my heart sunk quite a bit when I saw Montrez check in. Thankfully, it was only three minutes, and there doesn't seem to be, be any uh, long-term consequences. Mm-hmm. But that was, you know, three scariest minutes of my life. But You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, Chris, let me just ask you this. With McDaniels, Reed, and now Melton, could you argue that the Sixers have one of the best defensive second units in the NBA? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, I, I mean, I, I think... the best. I'm just saying one of the best. Yeah, I, for sure. I mean, Melton has been one of the better defensive guards this season in the NBA at large. Um, you probably, I, I think, when you're comparing like the best benches in the league. You you want Paul and McDaniels to maybe prove themselves more. They're they're a bit mm-hmm. new to the game, so to speak. That's fair. But, fair. Yeah, I mean they definitely have the makings of that kind of group. You know, you look at Boston where they have like Derek White, Grant Williams, etc. Like there are other teams that are probably still have the edge that are more experienced um as far as second units go, but yeah, they they have the pieces for sure. Fair enough. So let's touch on the Mavericks then just a little bit before we close out this segment. Obviously, they can get 30-plus from Kyrie and Luka, it seems, almost every single night. They can easily put up 125-plus anytime they step on the court. Incredible offensive team, but struggle on the defense. What do you think their prospects of making maybe a deep run in the Western Conference playoffs, Lucas? Uh, I'm going to say that they're probably a first-round exit. And I know that's blasphemous to say because they got to the West Finals. But losing Jalen Brunson, like you could ar- you could make a real argument to me that Jalen Brunson's been better than Kyrie this year, and I'd probably agree with you. That being said, their defense isn't as good. They lost Dorian Finney-Smith. They're, you know, there's nobody in this that can really anchor that uh, that center position defensively at a high level. I mean, they got average to above average defenders in like Dwight Powell and Maxi Kleba, but. Christian Wood's not a defender. And I, I think that you don't have quite enough. All, you don't have that third guy that you can really rely on offensively. And defensively, you're you're not good, especially with, you know, backcourt of Luka and Kyrie. So I, I think you're a first-round exit. They're in the play-in right now. They're, I think last time I checked the standings, they're in the play-in. Let me double-check that. Yeah, they're the seventh seed. Yeah, so they're in the play-in. They might not even, you know, they could really mess up and not even get into the playoffs. If they, you know, mess around, if they don't take things seriously, like they could not, not make the playoffs. That's a real possibility here. Yeah, um, I, I think it, the defense is definitely an issue. I mean, part of what made Dallas so good last year and why they got to the conference finals is because they were a legitimately very good defensive team. And they're quite bad on that end right now. Like you said, Lucas, they, they swapped essentially Brunson for Kyrie, who's coming into the team halfway, more than halfway through the season now and adjusting on the fly. And they now had to give up their best defender to to get Kyrie. So I definitely think the decision to not re-sign Brunson and to not offer him more money looks pretty bad in retrospect. Um, Do do I think they can make a deep playoff run? Yes, just because Luka is that good and Kyrie is that good and offensively like you said Jonathan they're they can hang with anyone as far as just pure shot making um I mean even if, if you're looking at 
you know, the two, the three seed who they're probably playing in the playoffs, you know, that's Memphis or Sacramento right now. I, I think they can beat those teams, even even with all the concerns. Um, but I, I do think they're a definite tier below Phoenix and Denver. I, I think the West is shaping up to be something of a two-horse race. Uh, you know, Dallas, the Clippers, the Warriors, all those teams are interesting and have the capacity to be good. We just haven't seen it as much this year. So, yes, it's possible, but I, I agree with Lucas in the sense that they have some pretty severe concerns on the defensive end, and I wouldn't say a deep run is all that likely. Yeah, I think I agree yeah. with you, too. They were yeah. in the Western Conference Finals last year and but, clearly fallen off. Yeah, I mean, I, an, I another I, thing, just to point out, as far as the standings yeah. sit right now, there's plenty of time for this to all change and be pointless. But right now... Phoenix is the four seed and Denver is the one seed. So that would put them together in the second round. And Dallas would face the winner of like Sacramento, Minnesota. So in that case, could Dallas make it to the conference finals again? Yeah, absolutely. Do they win the conference finals? Probably not. But their side of the bracket right now is really favorable. So I'm not going to count Luka out of anything. Well, okay. I do want to say something about Memphis here because – you know, at the beginning of the season, we all thought they were really like a legit contender, even though they're second seed guys. Memphis is struggling right now, and I know Jonathan wanted to talk about this at some point here. Not only are they drug- struggling with injuries, you know, Stephen Adams is still out. Uh, they lost Brandon Clark for the season uh, to Achilles tear, and now they uh, have uh, Dylan Brooks on a one-game suspension because he's already had 16 technical fouls. But the biggest thing that they have to worry about is John Morant, because uh, if unless you're you're living under a rock, you in, you know that John Morant has been recently seen with an alleged gun. I say alleged um, in a in an Instagram video. Uh, he's since taken down his Instagram. The team has excused him, and I use excused in quotation marks here from the next two games. It's essentially a suspension without the actual terminology, guys. Um, it's not a good look for Ja. Uh, he's clearly one of the superstars of the league. But, you know, this is not the first incident that he's had with questionable people around him or him doing possibly questionable things, going back to a laser with uh, against the Indiana Pacers, which might, may or may not have been him. It's, it's not a great look. Ja's 23 years old. Do you guys have anything to say about that before we move on? Yeah, I'm, I think it's important at least to just touch on it because it's pretty topical right now. But first off, that yeah, the Grizzlies are, as a team, kind of in free fall. I, I definitely expect Sacramento to catch them for the two seed. But, yeah, I'm not really sure exactly what's going on with John Morant. You said it, I think, a month ago, the issue with the laser with the Pacers. And I don't know, maybe that seemed like a one-off. But with the reporting of the Instagram video recently and obviously taking – has at least the two-game suspension or leave. And then there were other reports about an issue with a mall security guard being pushed and and a pickup basketball game at his place with a teenager. I just think he is not putting himself, obviously, in positions to succeed. And I think if you're in the NBA and you want to be a superstar, he wants to be the face of the Grizzlies in the franchise, you need to make better decisions, get better people around you. I truly hope that he can figure it out. But right now, the Grizzlies, I mean, last year – they almost seem like everyone's like darling because they're like, wow, this team plays hard. They're great like to watch. It's just fun to be around. Great environment in Memphis. But this year they just seem to be 
pretty annoying, like taking everyone off when they play, seeing like maybe you could describe them as dirty. I, I don't know if I'd necessarily say that, but I could see if someone wanted to describe the team that way. And then just having your best player have four incidences, like I obviously they didn't happen in the span of a month, but come to light in the span of a month. I mean, there's a lot going on in Memphis that needs to be figured out. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I agree with what both of y'all said. Um, he, he seems to be making some pretty poor decisions that could come back to bite him, and, and I really do hope he gets together. Um, I mean, you're right, Jonathan. Like, as a whole, Memphis has kind of gone reputation-wise from, like, the fun upstart contenders to, like, maybe the most annoying, at times, maybe arrogant teams in the NBA. And, I mean, Dylan Brooks is really at fault for a large percentage of that. Like, like Dylan Brooks is just seriously not fun. Um, but, uh, yeah, they, they have a lot to figure out. I, I don't know if they're quite in free fall. I think the Steven Adams injury has been a big part of their struggles of late. He helps this team quite a lot on both sides of the ball. Uh, so I, I think they'll get better and you know, more into shape once he gets back. But, yeah, I, you know, as far as two seats go, I don't have a ton of confidence in Memphis. And, like, if we want to tie it back to Dallas, that's if that's the 2-7 matchup, that's a series Dallas can win. So. They, they do have a lot to figure out. And as far as John goes, I, I really do, like you said, John, I, I hope he, uh, you know, gets right and can can stop putting himself in these positions. Absolutely. Yeah. Guys. So, um, yeah, let's, go ahead. Let's transfer back to the uh, Sixers. I mean, both of you teased it in the uh, opening discussions. Max is back in the starting lineup, which is exciting. I mean, I think the three of us have been saying that for at least two weeks, I'm sure much longer on this podcast. But, how important do you think it is that Maxie's been back into the starting pot, Chris? Yeah, um, like you said, we both, all three of us agreed that it was about time. So I'm glad that Doc finally pulled the trigger. It has yielded some of Maxie's best games this year. The Sixers all of a sudden have put together a string of some of their best games. Like, I, I don't think that's a coincidence. It's definitely the right move. Maxie looks 100 times more comfortable already. So... Yeah, I, I'm very positive about it. I think the bench is still a minor concern offensively. Melton has been on a bit of a downswing for a while now. You know, J-Mac, for all his, what you know, for everything he brings, is not a great offensive player. Paul, all those guys struggle in different spots. But as long as James and Joel, at least one of them, is out there at all times, which I have to believe will be the case in the playoffs, those bench units can survive. And like we said earlier, the defense from those bench units has been pretty solid as of late, assuming there's no, like, last-second Montrez or Deadman emergence before the playoffs that ruins everything. The bench is in a, a pretty decent place, all things considered. So, yeah, I, I think it's great. Maxie's playing great basketball right now, and as long as he's next to James and Joel for pretty much all his minutes... He's really well positioned to succeed as that second or third option. So I am pretty great, pretty positive about it. So, I, I, Chris, all, everything you said, I agree with. I do want to add a few more things, though. With Maxi in the starting five, I think, first off, it's great to see that it did not affect Joel or Harden's game offensively because they're still doing their thing, plus Maxi doing his thing. 
And I think him being out there actually makes their thing easier to do because then he's drawing more attention and vice versa. Um, it just bases out the floor a lot better. I also think it gives the Sixers that third scoring punch that they need to make themselves a legit threat to win it all. I think with Maxi on the bench, they weren't going to be a threat to win it all. I think Maxi starting, you actually have a th- you. They have they are a legit threat to win it all. Uh, now I'm not going to say that they're favorite, but they have a much better shot with Maxi in the starting five versus not, because you got three guys in the starting five now that can go off for 30 plus points on any given night. And Maxi needed this. He needed this. I I think this is just fantastic. I, it's great, and I think it puts us in a better position to win it all. I agree. Do you think this just this one move makes the Sixers more dangerous as a whole? Yeah. Uh, I mean, like I said, I, I think they're better. Like Lucas said, offensively, the starters all of a sudden look much more difficult to stop. Uh, again, Milton has been on a bit of a downswing lately. He's a good shooter, but he's a bit streaky at times. And when asked to put the ball on the floor and do other stuff, you're generally going to get pretty unreliable results with him. So Tyrese, one of the things that kind of facilitated his leap to start him last year was James coming. Uh, James, again, one of the best facilitators on the face of the earth, puts his teammates in a position to succeed. Tyrese has really benefited from that partnership. Him and Joel have gotten a lot more connected. There's the, the synergy there has been much better lately. So I, I, I do think it makes them more dangerous. They're going to really need Tyrese to be the third star, to be a legitimate go-to reliable guy in the playoffs if they want to beat you know the likes of Milwaukee, Boston, Denver, Phoenix. Like Those, those top-level contenders have several guys who can beat you. So they need Tyrese to be that caliber of player. So hopefully he gets there. I think he has the capacity to be there. And he is certainly moving in the right direction right now. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I think it does make them more dangerous. Uh, I think you go from, you know, Philly's always th- thought of the third team. I think the gap goes from, like, the size of the Mississippi to the size of, like, a normal river. You know, not a huge river. I think that's the difference between having Maxi in the starting five versus not in terms of contention. So, yeah, I think, yeah, he, he makes them more dangerous, makes it harder for them. To, everybody, him in the starting five makes it easier for all the everybody else, including himself. Yeah, I agree with both of you. I think Maxi in the starting lineup is kind of what this team needs. If they want to have any success in the playoffs, this is the direction they need to go. So let's transition one more time. Let's go to the... Injuries that happened, P.J. Tucker and Tobias Harris. P.J. Tucker left the game against the Bucks with back spasms. Tobias Harris had calf soreness. What do you guys think is going to happen maybe? How will the Sixers adjust if either of these players have to miss time? Lucas, let's start with you. Well, I think the depends on if if it's one or two. If it's one, you just I, – I think – you go with J Mac in the starting five, regardless of which one it is. I, I, and we'll talk more about J Mac in a second, but I think he needs more minutes. And I think defensively, he's exactly what the starting five needs. So I, I would probably, if, if you, if either one is going to just one of them is going to miss time, I would just put J Mac into the starting five. Um, but if both of them are going to miss time, it's going to have to be J Mac. And I, I don't think I start Niang. I think I still, I start Melton and go small. 
But I, I think you start J-Mac regardless of who's out, if only one of them is going to miss time. I agree. I, I think, you know, maybe a good indicator of where Doc's head at is the Miami game when Joel missed time. It was Melton who got to start. They went small then. So I, I, Melton's probably still higher on the pecking order and probably deserves to be. Like Melton, I, I still think, is a seriously good player. And we mentioned the five steals against Milwaukee. Like defensively, he adds a lot to the team. So, yeah, I, I, my gut would be that Melton's probably the next guy up if only one of them misses time. I, I like the idea, though, of starting McDaniels, especially if it's P.J. who misses time. I, I think defensively there's some overlap there as far as what the Sixers ask out of both those guys. But, you know, if both miss time, then it's probably McDaniels and Milton getting the starts. Um, yeah, it, neither injury seems like a particularly severe long-term concern. You know, if we're looking, again, ahead towards the playoffs, I, I don't think these injuries are going to have any huge impact, you know, knock on wood. Um, PJ's really old by NBA standards. He's 37, so this is the kind of thing you have to keep in mind with him. He plays very hard when he's out on the court. He's taking on the hardest matchups every night. So there's going to be some natural wear and tear. And the playoffs, that's just going to ratchet the intensity, the minutes, all that up. So it should be in the back of everyone's mind. But... You know, that kind of segues into our next point. Like, if you're worried about PJ health-wise, how can you maybe, you know, assuage some of those concerns? And that, that kind of leads into, like, maybe getting J-Max some more minutes. You kind of teased it, too. But um, what if McDaniels – like, should McDaniels even get more time if both of the PJ Tucker and Tobias are healthy? Yes, I, I, I think he should. Look. He was really good in Charlotte. He was borderline starter, if not like sixth man off the – well, not sixth man because you had Hilly Oubre, but like seventh man off the bench. He's really versatile defensively. He's still growing offensively. He's, what, 24? So he still needs time to grow offensively. He's just a raw athlete. I think he's the type of guy that you need on your, in your rotation to win a championship. Long, athletic, can hit his shots. Um, great defensively. I think – you need him getting more minutes because you want to develop him because look, PJ probably won't be this same player next season. He'll probably be worse just based on what we're seeing. That being said, if, if you need to find an heir apparent for PJ, look no further than, than McDaniels, because I think he can do what a lot of the things like maybe not as strong as PJ, you know, in the interior, but like, which uh, defensive switching wise and, you know, ability to knock down corner threes. He's the type of guy that you want to take over that PJ mantle role in the future and getting him more minutes now gets you there. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree. Again, I'm going to use like the looking ahead to the playoffs thing. As far as the second unit goes, Melton and McDaniels, I think are kind of locked in as the, the two main guys. I think you're going to use, a lot of PJ at the five is what I think we were all expecting, but I, I would not be completely shocked if Paul Reed is like the eighth guy and the Sixers only really go eight deep once once the rotations get shortened there because they always do. We know George can't hang in, in these matchups against elite teams. Shake, I, I love Shake. I thought he was really impressive in the Miami series last year. He obviously had that great stretch early in the season when James and Tyrese were hurt. 
He's there's but, minutes. There's just no minutes for Shake. That's that's the honest truth. Yeah. Look, I I mean, Shake has been kind of being pushed further towards the edge of the rotation lately. And, and as much as I like Shake, just as far as the skill set goes, he does not offer you as much when everyone's healthy. He's not as good or not as impactful um, as a guy who plays off of other guys. He, he's not as that, that's just not really his skill set. He's not going to shine as much when he's kind of pushed to the periphery like that. So Shake gives you some defensive versatility at 6'7". I like his skill set. He's had some good stretches next to Tyrese this year. But I don't think we're going to see a ton of Shake in the playoffs. Daniel House has been sort of teased lately. I don't think we're going to see him in the playoffs either. Like I really think the bench rotation, when Joel, James, and Tobias, and Tyrese are all playing 40 minutes a night, might just be Melton and McDaniels and a little bit of Paul Reed. And that makes a lot of sense because those are their three best defenders off the bench. That's what they need most off the, off the bench in the playoffs. Like You're going to get plenty of offense from James, Joel, Tyrese, and Tobias. What you need around those guys is defense and versatility. That's what McDaniels can give you. Again, he's six foot nine. Like you said, he can switch Lucas. He's handled several important defensive matchups since he's gotten here. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't mind giving him more than, like, 13 or 14 minutes that he's gotten pretty frequently lately. The Milwaukee game aside, again, he played 20 in that game because of the injuries. But I think 20 a game moving forward should be the minimum for him. Yeah, like, like George was awesome against Milwaukee, and he got 28 minutes because of the injuries. But if we're, like, really gearing up for the playoffs, some of those minutes, even if George is playing well, should be – shifted to McDaniels just because the inevitable matchup issues that George is going to cause in the playoffs. Now, I think we're probably going to see a little bit of George in the postseason too, especially in the first round, you know, if they're playing Washington or Miami or whoever, like a weaker opponent, so to speak, maybe you can, maybe George can hang a little bit more, but once we get to Milwaukee, I mean, Milwaukee was picking picking on him in the the first quarter, I remember, because he got posted up by Bobby Portis, like Three times in a row, and Bob, Bobby Portis hit all three shots. Yeah, so w- once we get to the really good teams, even maybe some of the better, not the bad teams, the less imposing teams, uh, you know, George is going to gonna be an issue. So, yeah, I think Daniel should probably be playing more. Yeah, I'd like to see more from Jalen McDaniels, too. To all our listeners, as always, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sixers and Podcast. Please like and subscribe if you can. We are on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, Audible, or you can listen at our website, thesixersense.com. Leave us a review. Leave us a comment on the website, whatever. Let us know what you're thinking. Let us know what you want us to talk about next. And you can also follow us on social media at Sixersense on either Twitter or Facebook. So until next time, everyone, go Sixers, and we'll talk to you soon. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts 
so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.